On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we'll be mewling drugs for Andrea Riseborough and Gabriel Byrne in narcotics thriller 000 on Sky Atlantic, tracking down a missing person in The Drowning, Drowning, Drowning on Channel 5, and checking out Rami Youssef's comedy about being an American Muslim in Channel 4's Rami, the first season of which makes its debut this week on Channel 4. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, a show that enters a new chapter of its existence this week. No, not because we've been going now for coming up to three years, but rather because one of our number has reached the most significant milestone a person can reach in their life. Yes, Terry has finished the West Wing and stands now before us forever changed. Isn't that right, Terry? It is right. I'm like, hang on, I finished it ages ago. It feels like I finished it years ago such as is my sense of loss but yes last week i said i figured that the weekend maybe i actually may finish the west wing and i was correct i finished it um was it saturday night i finished it i basically just was like i'm not moving out of this chair no matter what my child does um for as long as it finishes as it takes me to finish the show and and yeah oh i mean how did I go this long without it? What is the point of existence? I mean, I'm already feeling a bit nihilistic, what with uh, the state of the world at the moment. And then I think, well, now I even even got the West Wing. What's the point? What is the point? It's all very upsetting. Now, we were toying with the idea of rather than spending another podcast, again, talking about the West Wing without actually talking about it because we're trying to avoid spoilers. We were toying with the idea of doing a West Wing standalone special. Terry watches the West Wing special. (laughs) Now, what are we thinking? Are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Since we've not properly discussed it off air, let's just do it here on the show and make a decision. There is so much to be covered with the West Wing. I mean... Christ. So I think what we should do is save the conversation about the specials, about each season, about the characters, about the massive <laughs> error in the final season that I will take to my grave, st- still angry about, um, for a standalone West Wing podcast, okay. which has been requested by quite a few people. Will, that, right. will that include, but can we include in that, James? So if you, you, you did your, um, part the other one of the other big rev- revelations of the week was not just that Terry had finished watching the West Wing, but that she'd also read your epic, famous um, piece on the whole thing, your oral history of the show, which has gone in, into legend. And she did. you have recordings of all these people you interviewed about it. So can we use any of those? Well, Boyd, you will just have to wait and see. But yes, there is a possibility that uh, one of my interviews from that big feature might make its appearance. One with a certain Aaron Sorkin might turn up in our West Wing special. So uh, you can keep an ear out for that one. But look, let's be frank. Um, it could there could just be a group of people talking about the West Wing, and we would still, I would still be concerned true. about how we'd ever fit that into one podcast. Quite frankly, yeah. I have so much I want to say, and that I haven't been able to say, and I can't say it on Twitter. Um, and somebody said to me the other day, "Jesus Christ, the West Wing was on years ago. Why are you worried about Twitter?" And I'm like, because. I remember, and I said this to you, I specifically didn't read anything. I didn't, I really wanted to experience each season completely fresh. And I'd be furious if somebody had ruined that for me. And lots of people who follow us are now also watching The West Wing for the first time. So my pledge to you continues that I will not ruin it. But uh, so therefore, I want us to devote some time to ruining it. <laughs> okay, that seems entirely sensible. Uh, Boyd, how's your Battlestar Galactica rewatch going? My Battlestar Galactica rewatch has not advanced at all um, from for months. I'm sorry, I've had to stop it because there's so much stuff. I've I'm you know, I, there's so much stuff I could mention in this section alone of what I've been watching. So frankly, I have to, ah, yeah, but that's not this section, Boyd. And oh, let me okay. tell you why. Because this is a brand new section. Because obviously, what we've just been discussing is that Terry's finished the West Wing, which brings on to the most pressing West Wing 
shopping-related question, which is what next? And happily, I have canvassed some oh, suggestions right. from our listeners for a new one-off section I like to call Telly for Terry. <laughs> now... <laughs> You see, we didn't know this was happening, did we? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I had to, I had a, <laughs> oh, okay. an inkling because I looked at Twitter this morning. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So I've had a number of people, and by that I mean a few hundred people suggesting things. Darren Driver says, just watch the West Wing again. That's solid advice. Uh, Nick Sinclair and a number of others have said, Studio 16 Newsroom and Sports Night. Obviously, Sorkin's three other shows. I'm not sure you'd enjoy Sports mm. Night. I'm not sure you'd enjoy no. Studio 60 Does either. Does the name sound shite? Yeah. <laughs> Studio 60, I don't know. I think you might enjoy it early on before it goes off the rails. Yeah. But I think the safest bet for you might be the newsroom, uh, which I have yeah. a lot of time for, although some people do consider a hate watch. <laughs> some people have said, some people said, after I'd said I'd finished it, a lot of people came and suggested what I should watch next. And people were kind of referring to it as sub Sorkin. Would you say that's fair? It's sub West Wing, certainly. But I think still, it's, yeah. it's very Sorkin, like in that it's wildly idealistic and optimistic and places occasionally just hits bum notes horrifically like it's it's a yeah. little tone deaf the famous uh bin laden is dead moment is is genuinely one of the worst things you'll ever see on television but the, the opening episode where jeff daniels delivers this monologue to a bunch of students is fucking brilliant um and i definitely think you should watch the first episode and see how you feel i think you'll okay. really like it what about Friday Night Lights because that's the one that I've I've kind of some reason mm. I think it's again because it's one of your the one you're most kind of gobby about. That's kind of one that I I I don't know that that's in my head where I might go next. Did anyone suggest that? Uh, not that I've seen so far, but I'm scrolling up the list as we go. They might well have done. I think that would be a good mm. shout. Yeah, that's a good like suggestion. I say, prepare yourself for a slight season two wobble, but. It much mm. like you know, and on a lesser, you know, lesser case with the West Wing. But as as we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in the special, that like season five and West Wing is a wobble. With Friday Night Lights, it yes. comes with season two. Season two wobbles right. badly, but then it really rallies after that. But season two for a wobble, that's a wobble, right? Because yeah. like, but it's it, a short you need wobble. Just... It's a short wobble because <laughs> okay. it's a short season because the writer strike derailed that season anyway. So we all pretend it never happened. Um, yeah, because you need season. T I mean, season. T you know, in in television arcs, yeah. the season two is. We, I want to dig in, and I'm definitely committing to this. Oh, it's definitely it's it's a great show. It's also beautifully shot as well, and the score is fantastic. Mm. Like, it's really really good. I think that's a very good shout. Let's look. Uh, Simon ben Mendoza says The Expanse, best sci-fi on TV, and he's not wrong, is Terry. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But is let's be done? honest, Simon, that's never going to fucking happen. Uh, a number of people on here have said Game of Thrones. Which oh, oh, forcing me to actually watch it. Yeah, since you said you were going to, and you did enjoy the episodes that you saw, but in classic Terry way, it kind of faded out of your brain, and you went back to watching stuff you've already seen before. Um, yeah. What else have we got? What else have we got? Oh, Deep Space Nine. Come on, Martin. Come on. Deep Space Nine is not going to oh, happen. Don't be ridiculous. That's yeah. a fucking pipe dream. Uh, more newsroom, more news. Norseman, someone says. Jan Harold says Norseman, which is comedy Vikings. Funny enough, I watched my first episode of Norseman comedy the other week. Vikings. It's comedy Vikings. I. But you don't like comedy. Well, this, which is, I think, why I didn't get on with it. Like, it's good. I can. I, it's, uh. it's, it's, it is good. And it's kind of funny if you like humour but uh, obviously I don't so I didn't enjoy that hugely uh, whether you would like it remains to be seen someone oh a triple bill here um, we needed roads podcast says uh, parks and recreation the leftovers and Ted Lasso a triple oh. bill I think, think the leftovers is a good shout though 
I think the left. Oh yeah, because yeah. what we really need now, Boyd, is nihilism and bleakness. Yeah, let's be honest. Terry, the this is Terry. Show. Terry, I think, that is Terry true. I think Terry will love the leftovers. In fact, I'm very, mm. very, I'm quite excited about the idea. I think that's a real core Terry show that, that she's going to get a lot out of. Yeah, it is. You do thrive yeah. on misery, and there's a lot of that yeah. in there. What about Shit's Creek? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Chris, I, Chris Hewitt's watching that at the moment. Is he? Yeah. I love Shit's Creek, but even I would say the only problem with it, I think you have to get past the fact that I think for the first couple of seasons it's it's fine, it's fine, but it really s- s- kicks off kind of season three onwards. So, you know, right. you don't have that. With The West Wing, you're right in there and it's amazing yeah. and you're like loving it from the start. I think with The Leftovers, you're going to be right in there and loving it from the start. That's So I think I, I, I'm definitely yeah. going for that. Yeah, I think, you, I think you would enjoy The Leftovers a lot. So how are we going to decide this? That's a good question. I'm just hurling shows at you. Yeah, I just assumed you. maybe you were making notes, but that was possibly a little optimistic. What? Uh, this is like the worst game ever. Um, okay, so, but I know I think you should choose for me. I think what we've just proven with the West Wing is that I don't You should always, always listen to me. Is that I should sometimes listen to you um, and maybe we'll like things that I wouldn't think I'd like. Now, I, I don't Ooh. think that will necessarily mean fucking Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> See, Let's I genuinely think you'd like Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Haven't we been there yeah. and done this and tried this? I don't agree. Like, yeah. I don't think yeah. you've never watched an episode. I made Beth watch an episode. I don't I'm think you have. Sure it, I'm pretty sure forced, you haven't. I you made have you watch The Expanse. You have at some point. Yeah, you did. Oh, they're, no, the that's, they're not the same thing. They are the same oh thing. You did watch an episode. That's what I she remember didn't. that. Yeah. She didn't. It was Beth. You're thinking of Beth. I Am made I? Beth watch Battlestar and she didn't get on with it at all, which is oh, why she okay. hasn't been back on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, Beth, kidding. Um, someone else has suggested The Americans. Another good shout, although, and oh, I must confess, good shout. That's good shout. The Americans is one where I have got, I watched the whole first season and I've, I've watched the second, the beginning of the second season three times and each time never carried on with it. And I think it's one of these shows mm. where it's brilliant, but it's not drawing me in and I'm not sure why. Mm. But Terry, maybe you'd have slightly better luck with that. Right, you, you two, you two decide amongst yourselves. Okay, so we'll decide. This, oh, yeah. we do understand that Terry is now bored of the section telly for yeah, Terry, and no longer wishes to listen to all of the suggestions that our listeners oh, no, are sending. Go on, go on, keep going. I didn't know there was more. <laughs> There's endless, and endless. Oh, here we are, here we are. The first person here to try and mansplain the wire to use come in, right? Jamie Ellison, well done. Uh, so Terry, what would it take for Jamie Ellison to convince you to watch the wire again? It, I mean, it's up to you and Boyd. If you think that's the uh, that's where I should go next, then I think the why I think the why is too on the on the nose. You know, it's like you guys have said the Sopranos, the wire. Yeah, but, but, you know, but for Breaking good Bad. reason. For good reason. It's not yeah, like but, we're all pretending the wire is good. No, no, no. I know, but I think it's more. I think I think the leftovers. Is, I'm still. I think that's more. I think that's more core core uh, Terry. I think you're right. I think getting Terry to watch The Leftovers is a good shout. I do wonder whether to sort of ease her off like a kind of sort of methadone thing will give her like the newsroom as Sorkin light to try and sort of, you know, um, ease the transition from the West I don't Wing. know. I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit methadone like come bring me down. Yeah. Bring me yeah. back. I, I think let's, let's start with the newsroom and then let's segue from there into The Leftovers and then right. we'll take it from there. And then can I do Friday Night Lights? And then and then Friday Night Lights. Okay, yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Let's let's do that. But let me read a few more suggestions. Peaky Blinders, that's another good shout, which you haven't uh, seen. Yeah. Uh, which, which, I want, need to which I did want to get into. Yeah. Lee Lee Wainwright has said Friday Night Lights. Skip season two? No, Lee. No, there will be no fucking skipping. <laughs> no she will skipping, watch I'm only two doing. And yeah. she'll suffer through it like everyone else had to. I'm only doing, I'm only doing things. I'm doing entire series yep. of things. 
There's yeah, no dipping in and dipping out. Uh, Lee also suggests Ray Donovan. I don't. I no. Don't, I don't think Terry would love Ray Donovan. No, I've got to be honest no, with no, you. No, no, no. Deadwood and Better Call Saul. Good shouts, definitely. Uh, the Shield. The Shield. You've seen The Shield, haven't you? I've seen The Shield. You've love seen The, the Shield. shield. Uh, I know you don't need to watch The Shield. I do think we should put The Wire on there somewhere. I, I'm determined to mansplain The Wire to you. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's that's absolutely my role on this podcast. Orphan Black. That's not a bad shout either. Uh, more mm. expanse stuff. What else have we got? House of Cards. Of course, Terry seen House of Cards. Um, Space Above and Beyond. Yes, that's not going to happen. A uh, lot of Battlestar Galactica love on this list, Terry. I'm not going to lie. The people are speaking. Yeah, by the looks of it, people don't like me. Just keep saying <laughs> battle. I couldn't make my uh, my disdain for Battlestar Galactica any more any more felt. Ooh, and yet ooh. here we are. A ringer from Max Greenland here who says Banshee. Banshee. That, Do you I mean, know what? Actual Banshee. Actual Banshee. You know what? Do you know what? I accidentally found myself watching actual Banshee this it's week. Great. You know they're repeating it on Sky Atlantic, like quite late at night. And um, it's fantastic. Obviously, I don't go to bed till really late, so I, it is really good. I really yes, enjoyed it. Actually, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's great. Child <laughs> Sorry, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yes, Sean here has said Friday Night Lights because life will never be the same again. That's uh, that's solid advice there. Uh, Carnivale, interesting. Mad mm, Men. No. A lot of the same ones are coming up here. Oh, The Walking Dead. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Come gosh. now, Shawnee Slothy. That's not going to happen. Uh, Stuart Bell put, has just put a Last Kingdom gif up here. Uh, I need, do you know what? I need to watch The Last Kingdom myself. You do, I've been, it's fucking great. Yeah, I think I'd quite like it. Yeah. That's back this year, I think, which is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. The Wire again. Justified. I don't. I think Terry would get bored and justified. I got to be honest. That said, season one is quite procedurally, and you do have quite a tolerance Ooh, for procedural, so you might I like do. that. High tolerance, high. Right. Well, lots of other suggestions on here, but given the fact that Terry is now doing things on her phone, I'm assuming <laughs> that I've lost her and have all of you. So, uh, all right. So, are we going to say the newsroom? When are you going to watch the first episode of the newsroom? Uh, I will watch it tomorrow. Okay. I have. Um, I have some uh, alone time in the uh, plan in the family plan so yeah tomorrow i think you'll know quite quickly whether yeah. you whether you're on board with it or okay. not yeah. i think so i mean too. it's basically network isn't it the first episode That's yeah but with a bit with a bit of sorkinese in there yeah no i'm excited i'm ex- and thank you thank you you could have gone hard on me but you've let me have the come down drug and i do appreciate it the good okay. thing about the newsome it's not that there's only what like 20 uh, 25 episodes so it's not yeah, you it's, know it's not, it's yeah. not a lot of it it's not a yeah. lot of it you can easily get through that the and then on to um yes the leftovers, the leftovers <laughs> which is again only three seasons um yeah. but uh yeah great stuff so nothing quite as epic no and that's what i loved about the west wing i found something especially in lockdown very, very comforting about knowing that it was going to last mm. yeah, I know a what you mean. really yeah. long yeah, time. There's true. such a comfort in that. Yeah, but, you know, there is. Yeah. But, no, who the fuck makes 22 well, Friday, episodes Friday night, anymore? Friday Night Lights was a network program, wasn't it? Friday Night Lights has it was, loads yeah. of episodes. Yeah, season maybe two that's is the shorter, one. but there's only like I okay. think there's. But like Michael B. Jordan comes into that later on as well. Like it's 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 really yeah. good. Friday Night Lights, 76 episodes. Well, yeah, yeah, which is a lot of that. that. Yeah, but yeah. It, but it's again, it's a show that reinvents itself, sort of like about halfway, yeah. two thirds of the way through, and for the better. That's not to say the first half was bad, but it really re-energizes the show. And I think even great shows, and actually, weirdly, this ties into to this week's listener question, which we'll get onto in a bit. Even great shows, I think, often do run out of steam. The West Wing never did, but again, mm. I think because it shook up the formula when when Sorkin left. Mm. Well, we'll get into this in the special. Let's not get into this now. Yep. Instead, yes. instead, right, we've we've done telly telly for Terry is finished until next week. Uh, but <sighs> let's get on to what we've been watching, Terry. What what have you been watching in the interim between West Wing and Newsroom? 
Okay, so two things I want to talk about this week. First of all, I'm going to say as quickly as possible so James doesn't cut me off. <laughs> Married at First Sight Australia. Where's my alarm? Where's my alarm? One of them, one of them is... I'm pressing so the alarm there now. Was, there was actual cheating this yeah. week. Oh, um, I'm not going to say who in case you're playing catch-up on it, but I can't remember a Marriage at First Sight where of any country where they um, cheated between the couples. Um, it was kind of amazing, and I basically... Every night after work, when I was giving my um, son tea, I just used to put it on in the background to keep him entertained, she says, and just became like gripped by it. They're massive hour and a half episodes. They're completely barking mad. Um, if you need an escape from, you know, your daily hell, then, then I can't watch recommend a decent it enough. television show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing I want to talk about is, um, and it's funny because we, we included this show in the Also Outs the other week and Boyd had suggested reviewing it and I'd gone oh, you know it's not massively pilot um, is it we've just put let's put it in the also out and I've ended up watching both seasons in the last week and that is ITV's The Bay mm. um, now I'm not necessarily saying I was wrong in any of my assumptions but oh my god I so needed The Bay so I had this gaping hole left by the West Wing I couldn't contemplate going straight into something else of substance if you know what I mean we we're obviously going to discuss it today and I just needed a bit of time to come off the West Wing. And so I watched The Bay. We were looking for it. We like our thrillers as a family. I was looking for an, a, th- a British thriller we could just have on at night. It's actually ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous, <laughs> but really fucking good. Set in Morecambe. Um, that's where The Bay comes from. And I think it got 7 million viewers for the first season. I, it's totally ITV. Um, I don't mean any disrespect by that, but well, I can do, but no. But <laughs> it is, I have to say, and it's all basically Morven Christie who plays um, the lead policewoman. And it's that classic, she's fucked up in her personal life, but a really good detective. And unfortunately, her fucked upness spreads into her work and when you know when her job's on the line who is she what is she how will she survive she's got teenage kids the dad's not been seen um for years she's got a bossy mum it's just like all all by the book police procedural thriller but i really loved it we burned through season one in two nights i think it's just six season six episodes excuse me per season and then we did series two in one night um and that has joe absalom um who used to be in eastenders who is there as her ex-husband who turns up again and that obviously dropped a couple of weeks ago if you are looking for a nice comforting fairly not taxing thriller of the british variety and you like your fucked up bullshit ballsy police women then this is the show for you let me tell you i love the fact that it's a comforting thriller which opens with a bloke with his face being shot off <laughs> close I, mean, range. The, I have to say it's got that classic itv thing of you think it's it's kind of going to be like that family friendly yeah and it is in times and then other bits it's like really full on, full on it's pretty yeah. there are yeah. some hardcore bits um for sure and you know the second it's funny what we were just saying about second seasons because the first season is far superior the second season revolves around a shooting that happens in the first episode the entire thing's about this man being shot um stephen tomkinson who you just think is the most wasted stephen tomkinson (laughs) ever i think he gets two lines before he gets his face shot off that isn't a spoiler it literally happens straight away it's the setup of the entire thing yeah 
but then that kind of her personal stuff is is the second thread that comes to dominate to the to the point where they kind of I think forgot they were trying to find his killer, and in the last episode they're just yeah. like kind of like oh yeah this person did it a person that none of it makes any sense you never quite understand how any of it would have worked you um, don't really care by that point because you don't really care about the the mystery that the whole thing's um been pinned around whereas the first season actually I thought was really compelling and done really 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 well and the the central mystery at the heart of it was really powerful and, and actually really well executed this time they kind of let it go after a bit um but as I say this could be for you like I greatly enjoyed it and it was very comforting this week as we enter lockdown week number 7829 yeah, you know who I love in the Bay is I really love Daniel Ryan. You know, he plays her boss, the political. Yeah. yeah, come on, Boyd. Right. I- so me and my boyfriend were taking the Mickey out of him because he's acting right, and he's like, guys, the, we've got to get out there and get the suspect. He could have killed two people. Like he's the worst. No offense, don't say I hope that. you don't listen to this. No. no, he's 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 a little bit. Um, he's a little bit. He acts with every fibre of his being. I love him. I'm not even a word to against Daniel Ryan. I think he's Are you great. Obsessed with him? I'm obsessed with him. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Have <laughs> anyway. either of you watched Losing Alice, which is not, in fact, the prequel to Finding Alice? There's a lot going on in Alice's life at the moment. There is. I have not seen Losing Alice. No, this on is Apple the Apple TV, TV show. Is. Yeah. 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 No, I'm finding Alice. I'm enjoying. Similarly, in the same way, that is. She's not leaving really... Alice after finding Alice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it good? Have you watched it? I have not watched it. No, I was no, hoping no. one of you had. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I have been watching though quite a few things. First of all, the second part, the second Euphoria special, which went out on um, Monday on Verdict. Sky Atlantic. I really liked it because I remember to the first one, but um, we didn't like it. Did Terry and I didn't like it. You yes, quite liked, I liked it, didn't it, you? Yeah. You liked it, yeah. Terry and I were right and you were wrong about it. And um, <laughs> this one is so much better, though. Honestly, it's much, much better. It's not, it's it, it, it's it's still built around two people talking in a room effectively because it's because it's um, it's a therapy session, really. But I just thought it was, mu- it's, it doesn't stick to that religiously. And I just thought it was actually much better written, much, much more interesting. Um, and it kind of changes the kind of whole tenor of the series in a way or certainly kind of you know it i think it's a much more important thing that i think the first episode you, you could just dispense with and not watch it and it won't affect your enjoyment of euphoria whereas i think this episode was much more important in the run of the show so i really like that the trump show which is bbc two's documentary about donald trump which they did um uh, late last year they did a documentary pretty much of archive footage of Donald Trump's presidency and key talking heads talking about him, like Nigel Farage, for example. They've done a special kind of, you know, post-insurrection special called Downfall. Um, Donald says the Trump show Downfall. It's on BBC iPlay. It's amazing. Just to see the events Mm. of like post-election onwards leading up to the insurrection. It is incredible viewing, honestly. And to see people kind of American, you know, seasoned American broadcasters and politicians and experts talking about the, what the fuck show that's happened in the last few weeks is, is, is amazing. Um, but most of all, I have been watching the, the, the WandaVision this morning, episode four. Yes. Which is incredible. And I really like, without wanting to spoil it, I know this goes on Monday, everyone will have seen it by then, but I, I really I, I really approve of the decision to address it in the way well, they have in episode four. Well, we were talking 
talking about this just before the show started. Like, I, I have had concerns, which I have aired on the Empire Spoiler Special podcast for WandaVision, which do go out, uh, I think, do they go out on Friday? I think they go out on Mondays, actually. Anyway, if you want to sign up, do sign up to our Spoiler Special podcast for that. Um, but we were talking about this, that I was thinking, you know, because it has been essentially a period sitcom up until this point, like, I feel like they're alienating a percentage of the you know, the MCU fans who would tune into this because, you know, regardless of what may be going on in the background, the first three episodes are broadly just period sitcom. And it's not until the end of episode three that you start to get a glimpse at the thing behind it. And I kind of feel like if they put the first three on night one instead of just the first two or drop the whole show in one go, I feel like people would have kept with it, which I think a lot of people have dropped the show. That said, exactly as you say, episode four is a game changer. And I think maybe people having heard about this will then go back and, and, and finish yeah. watching it. Yeah. But I thought, it, I mean, I'm, apart from anything, it's be- I mean, it's beautifully made. Yeah. It looks incredible. It's a proper, you know, cinematic, um, you know, because we've been used to the fact that they have been sticking very closely to the sitcom form for the first yeah. three episodes. And this is suddenly a lavish, lavish, beautifully filmed thing. Um, in itself was very exciting. Can, I'm, I'm going to say, right, as well, it suddenly struck me that I think there's an influence, and I know this is slipping to self-parody, of the OA on this series. I really do. I just think it's, it can't be coincident. I think there's something about it, the way it ties into the ending of season two of the OA, the the idea of watching a TV show, of the, being aware of there being a TV show about these characters and their lives, which definitely, without trying to spoil uh, what you see in episode four, I just think it's too, it's touching on a lot of the same ideas and a lot of the same um, kind of mind-boggling I, things about TV, a TV show which it, which touches on TV itself and the idea of how that taps into multiple universes or alternative universes, alternative realities or whatever. I feel it's very OA-ish. I really do. Um, so, yeah, I'm sticking to that theory. Um, <laughs> and finally, the final thing I've been watching loads of is season four of Depression, a.k.a. Call My Agent on Netflix. It's brilliant. This is possibly a show that Terry should watch. Call My Agent. It's it's catching on more and more and more. It's a, it's the proper Netflix fit. We we you know, we talk about Netflix being sometimes frustrating in terms of churning out stuff that they stop it after one or two seasons and it's annoying and blah 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 blah. But Call My Agent, a French show that they acquired, it wasn't necessarily a Netflix original to start with, has gone on to become a massive phenomenon on Netflix. Um, and it's pretty incredible that a French language show with subtitles has become, you know, massive a massive thing. And it's incredibly entertaining. And, and it, it's brilliantly done. Like, I do think the authenticity of the way it tackles the showbiz world of agents and actors and publicists and journalists is really, really well done. And on top of anything, it's incredibly entertaining. In season four, because this is a show where it's all about French agency for actors and performers and the, the all the way through the first all the way through the show from the very beginning it's had real actors playing themselves being handled by the fictional agents and in season four you get um people playing themselves including charlotte gainsbourg um sigourney weaver is in it and jean reno and it's incredibly uh, entertaining and it's perfect for these times because it really is like it's it's really well done it's beautifully made but it's also really funny and engaging and just takes you within that whole world that we know a lot and that people are fascinated by so yeah call my agent um Dipoussant, season four netflix watch the whole thing start watching the whole thing possibly everyone it's brilliant well what have I been watching this week? So I watched, I'm back into Snowpiercer, back aboard the Snowpiercer. Mm. Uh, very excited about that. There's something about that show that I just find quite 
easy to watch. And I, I love that Sean Bean's there. I love that they've sort of switched it up with the arrival of the second train. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on in there. If you haven't watched Snowpiercer, it is worth, uh, worth having a look at. So that's quite fun. I watched the first episode of Yellowstone, you know, the Kevin Costner show, which uh, has, people have been recommending to me for ages. And I think we mentioned it last week's show. I said I'd watch it. I must admit, I was a bit underwhelmed by it. So it's a double, it's a feature length pilot, but rather than being kind of like the hard hitting drama I was expecting, it felt a bit like brothers and sisters with Stetsons. Do you know what I mean? Like it's very sort of family melodrama led. And I just thought, this is not doing it for me. Like I just, no, no. So I, I've, I've stopped. So my Yellowstone experiment kind of ended before it began. Um, I will say other things that have happened this week though, the Expanse episode this week, which is the penultimate episode of the fifth season has an incredible single shot in it well kind of single shot they actually do a bit of cheating but for all intents and purposes a single shot there's an escape sequence i won't spoil it there's an escape sequence which it's a one-off all the way through to the escape and it goes on for i don't know it must be like seven minutes or so but it's really 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 well put together i i cannot say enough good things about this most recent uh season of the expanse i did actually see I did actually see a, an independent article, nothing to do with you, saying that this most recent episode of The Expanse was an absolutely incredible piece yeah, of um, it was. It filmmaking. Was yeah, amazing television. I, it really I'm so, was. I'm quite Just the ambition and the the scope of what they tried to do, which I clearly can't talk about without spoiling the plot, but it's 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 impressive. So only one more episode of that left to go. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Like this, this my whole week at the moment is based around <laughs> the episode of The Expanse dropping. Like that's that's my week. That's the event of my week at the moment. So with one more to go, I don't know what I'll do afterwards. Maybe we'll. Have have to have a, a a telly for james segment for what i should be watching mm. once the expanse has left my life for a while anyway anyway let's move on to this week's listener question and this week's question comes from pete oliver and he says are there any shows you've hate watched through to the bitter end despite knowing they were awful i think the answer to that is clearly yes but who would like to start well we had a similar question to this before and my answer is the same as my answer was then <laughs> Which was, I don't watch things I hate. If I hate it or dislike it or think it's shite, I turn it off. You also don't end. watch things that you think are good. <laughs> Which you say, yes, you know I what, do. I'm going to go I back just... and watch Game of Thrones. It's great. I'm going to watch it from the beginning. I just watched a hundred and I just watched 156 episodes of The West Wing. I just watched 12 episodes of The Bay in three nights. Like, I watch shit. What's nothing else fucking to do with my life? Watching Winterfell, the Winterfell episode of the last season of The West Wing, you were like, this is the greatest hour of television I've ever seen. I'm definitely going to go back and watch it from the beginning a year later. Nothing. No, but other things, more important things come along. Like The Bay. Because of the... Because of the same principle, and that <laughs> principle is I am not going to waste valuable hours of my short life on this spinning ball of a planet <laughs> watching Shy. Is it though? I mean, you do start every episode by confessing to having watched quite a lot of oh. shit. I know, but I don't think oh. the bay is shit, as I've just described, I don't think the bay is shit. I was more referring I'm to the married, married at first, first sight, sight Australia or whatever it is. Okay, here's what you don't grasp, right? There are different genres of television, and within those genres of television you can like different things i don't understand married at first sight is is one of the most brilliantly executed pieces of reality tv you will ever see what you're talking about is things i think the question was things that you know is shit but you keep watching anyway i don't do that so uh -huh. you two can dis you two can talk about this right well i mean it is, me. i was surprised after, when you picked this question and you communicated it to us on the via the medium of whatsapp i was surprised that Terry didn't go why what the fuck like yeah because i knew she was gonna say that i knew quite rightly because why would you watch something you hate i mean but you I, do I, it all, all, the all the time right what does 
Boyd, Boyd, Boyd watches everything on television. Right. That said, admittedly, Boyd doesn't hate anything. So actually, no, maybe no, that I is accurate in his case. I do hate things. I, I will give you. I'm about to give you a couple of examples. Resident but, Alien. You haven't watched the rest of that, have you? <laughs> no, I'm not fucking watching the rest of that. No way. But generally, unless I have to for some weird reason, like reviewing it or something like that, I will not carry on watching something I hate. I will just will not. And I very, but so I have come up with a couple of examples, but I think they're pretty much things that I felt I had to watch for various reasons. I, so I'm going for um, quite very recently, Fate the Winks Saga. Mm. on the Netflix, which I, I decided to watch because they asked me for feedback and, you know, this kind of thing. You know, I was giving it quite in advance and I thought, okay, I'll give this a go, see whether we needed to review it on the Pilot TV podcast, etc. It's only six episodes. I have to say, it's um, um, it's spectacularly bland and banal. <laughs> and it's like, as I think I said when I, when I first acknowledged that it was coming out and it existed, only, you know, it arrived, I think, last week maybe um, or the week before. I was like, it is a kind of a mix of a lot of different things. You know, there's a bit of Buffy, there's a bit of sexual education, but it's like nowhere near as good as any of those things. And it's just it's just kind of very average. But I did watch the whole fucking thing. I watched all six episodes. It's kind of, you know, it's like it's like harmless and it's got a mildly compelling storyline. So it's not like you're bored. It's not boring. It's just a bit lame and it's just a bit kind of meh. But I did watch the whole fucking thing. So that was quite rare for me to watch that much of a series I consider to be not okay. very good at all. Um, and slightly similarly, and you're going to love this, The Witcher. What? Watched, yeah. How is that a hate watch? Because I just didn't get on with it at all. I thought it was a load of... I thought it was like, oh, it really annoyed me and irritated me all the way through. But I watched, was it eight episodes? I watched all fucking eight episodes of season one and did not enjoy it much more after I, you know from the first annoying episodes I carry I just did not I don't like I'm not a fan of the witch I'm so sorry so that's almost like those are my answers really kind of Netflix fantasy things that I did not get on with at all yeah the I might best things. Why you'd like The Witcher, but I found it irritating. <laughs> well, see, see, but Terry, have you never had the thing where you're watching a show that you like, and mm. then let's say you've watched four seasons of it, whatever it is, and you've enjoyed it, and then there's a revelation at one point where you realise you're watching a show out of habit. And it's no longer good or it's no longer holding your attention, but you've invested however many hours of your life into it. So you kind of almost feel it's like that theory with poker, isn't it? That once the money's in the on the table, once you've thrown your chips in, they're no longer your chips. So you mustn't put good money after bad. And it's like good hours after bad. Like you invest 100 hours in some show and then you realise it's rubbish. You think, well, I should keep watching it because otherwise I've wasted the hours that I've put it. So you've never had that where a show becomes a slog and you carry on. No. But, you know, <laughs> as, as we've often talked about, I am a binary person. I'm trying to work on, on becoming more grey as I get older, but it's not really working. And I am very much either in or out on something. And if I'm out on something, I stop because then I'd just be more furious about the future hours of my <laughs> life that I've waited. And that has probably meant I've missed out on some good stuff because I'm so hardline that I'll turn it off and be like, fuck that. And then, you know, don't go back. So I'm not, I'm not saying this is a good trait of mine or something that shouldn't be worked on, but I am incapable of doing that I've, I've this weird thing about time and i like my time being stolen from me and you know i have like 12 books on my shelf that i'm desperate to read and i've got a small child who sucks the hours out of me and i've got so many films and tv shows that i still haven't watched and i see everything i watch like when we have to watch something for this show and i don't like it yeah i get really angry at you specifically <laughs> and i do honestly 
I feel angry at you while I'm watching it. It's not even your fault. But because James, um, James is another small child who sucks the life out of you. But honestly, it makes me resent you sometimes because because I've, I've that's like hours taken away from me that I would choose to fill with amazing stuff. So it is part of my character, unfortunately. But, the, but then, but then equally, I'll give you something like Star Trek Lower Decks and make you watch it. And I will admit, there's an element of Schadenfreude when I yes, do that. Yes. However, you'll then go and watch it fucking twice to make sure you hate it. Well, because I'm also an obsessive perfectionist. And so I, I you know, I'm all about craft and I think everything has to be done properly. So then I'll watch it obsessively to make sure that I've watched it properly because then it's work. Don't try and unravel me psychologically because no, you're not going to like what's at the end of this ball, ball the wall, let me tell you. I don't think we have that kind of time on this show. But um, I know I think I think actually you're on something there because I used to have this almost obsessive need to when I started a show to fucking finish it. Like mm. it's like it's the same thing that like I won't ever quit a book if I've started it. I will read it to the bitter end, even if I hate every word oh, on every page. But as I've got older and therefore have less life ahead of me, I'm becoming much more precious of my time. And I've now started to check out of shows a lot more easily. But there are so many shows looking back. Like I watched Grey's Anatomy for like fucking seven or eight years or something. Mm. I can't even imagine why. Orange is the New Black is another one where I enjoyed it. And then it got to a point where I realised I was no longer enjoying the show and I just stopped watching it. Again, five years in, but still. Um, the X-Files, remember when the X-Files came back and there were those, those mm. the, the, yep. the sort of... I was going to say resurgence, but, but it definitely wasn't that. But the kind of the comeback episodes of that, I watched every episode of that was a fucking hate watch. Like I loved the X-Files when it was on, but the new ones were terrible. I didn't enjoy a single episode. Well, maybe one or two. Um, mm. But it wasn't fun for me, but I felt I had to do it. And I think maybe yeah. there was an element of that with, you know, the the London 24, that final 24 they did. I think there was an element of that to that. I think Isn't the that, Prison Break examples, as well. Yeah, those are examples. I did the same with the X-Files, right? And I think, but that for me was an example of something you hope, at some point, you just hope <laughs> it's going to capture some of the what made you yeah. like it originally. Against all and evidence and of the Against country. all evidence. Yeah. yeah, you just carry on. Mm. Eventually, surely, finally, they're going to do something that is, do an episode that actually works and is really good. Mm. Whereas I don't think, you're not hate-watching it. That's not, I don't think that's an answer to the question, is it? Because hate-watching is like... It, I guess it depends doesn't it like like Dexter I don't think I ever hate watched Dexter but certainly no. the last two seasons that, was really I was good. watching it it was great until, and then the, it last, was, yeah. until the end yeah but that's still like whatever it is like 20 hours of my life I plowed into a show that just wasn't good because it had once been great and I was hoping it would come back right. to that Star yeah. Trek Enterprise was never good but then I never I always enjoyed it because Star Trek. Um, all of the yeah. Marvel TV shows, so the first season oh, of God, Daredevil, yeah. fantastic. First season of Jessica Jones, fantastic. But after that, they were all 13 hours of oh, yeah. unspeakably tedious nonsense. Like Jessica yeah. Jones season two, Luke, all of Luke Cage nearly killed me. The second after Mahershala Ali is no longer in it, that show was almost unwatchable, and yet I ploughed on through it. Iron Fist, I watched, Iron Fist is the only one I bailed on. Of all of those Marvel shows, Iron Fist is the only one I was like, life is just too Everyone short, Everyone bailed on Iron Fist. <laughs> yes, I couldn't make it through Iron Fist at all. But but those shows, those shows really did do it to me. And honestly, there was a touch of it, there's a touch of it about The Stand at the moment, Like. Mm. I'm going to watch the stand to the bitter oh, well, end because I know it's limited. It's a limited yeah. series. I know there's only a certain amount of us. It's still 10 hours of it. But I'm pressing on with it and I'm hating it more with every episode. And like it, it's making me angry as I watch it because of how mishandled I feel it is. Um, and yet I'm pressing on with it because I almost feel like I cannot hate it with the purity I need to hate it until I've experienced the whole of its shitness. So that's <laughs> that's my relationship with the stand at the moment. Yeah, this question was very much designed for you. <laughs> I think, so it's possibly my lucky. I tend to hate watch things a bit. Yeah. 
Okay. Anyway, I don't know if we've answered that question. Terry apparently resents both you and me, Pete <laughs> Oliver. So uh, let's move on. No, if you just would like, you. Just me. Fair enough. Uh, if you would like your question answered on the Pilot TV podcast, do send it to us via DM at Pilot TV Pod or to me at James C. Dyer via the Twitters or the Instagrams or, you know, skywriting, whatever you like, really. Right. Time now for a quick break. But we will be back after this short message from our sponsor. Shall we get on to this week's news? And I think this week's news can only begin in one place, and it is with The Sandman, which announced some casting last night on Twitter, and it was pretty exciting to, let's be honest, me on this podcast. <laughs> however, however, so Tom Sturridge is going to be playing Dream in uh, the Netflix Sandman adaptation, which is... Uh, that in itself is, you know, interesting casting. But the main excitement for me is that Gwendolyn Christie has been cast as Lucifer, the ruler of hell. Uh, she's fantastic. Obviously, Brenna of Tarth in Game of Thrones, but she's awesome. Captain Phasma. Uh, but I, the idea of her playing Lucifer, and I like that they've done a few gender swaps on some of these bits of casting as well. You've got, uh, who else have we got in here? Charles Dance is going to be playing Roderick Burgess, who's the magician who captures Dream in the first episode. Charles anything with Charles, Charles Char Dance. Anything with Charles, Charles Dance, Dance is awesome. Did Charles I say Dance. his name in a strange way? I wasn't aware of that but thank you um, it was a dance. noise it wasn't a name it was a noise dance. 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 <laughs> right okay fine dance dance Boyd is, Holbrook, is that okay is Boyd Holbrook fine anyway he's gonna he's gonna play the Corinthian who is like a, a, a like a living nightmare with eyes made of teeth uh, and Sanjeev Baskar and Asim Chowdhury are playing Cain and Abel and that I just have to see I think that's a fantastic pairing uh, they have not announced the casting of Death yet, Dream Sister Death, which is a very cri uh, critical role in this. So very excited to see what they come up with that. But it's nice to see some movement being made on this. I'm absolutely here for for Sam, and it's it's such a good comic. So um, Terry, t if if boredom could have a face, it is it is the look Terry is giving me at the moment. If you could sum up the term boredom, much like Dream and Death in Sam, and if, if boredom were personified, Terry, it would be you right now. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. thrilled that um, I, I love Sanjeev Baskar and Asim Chowdhury. Right? So I, yes. that, it was those when you said oh, you're really excited about Gwendolyn Christie. I was more excited about Sanjeev <laughs> about Baskar. I'm also very he excited is about them. Lovely and funny, and he's a great bloke. And uh, and so is Asim Chowdhury. Yeah, so yeah. I'm excited about that. What happened to Boyd Holbrook? But you know, like like after Logan, I know what you mean. Where, yeah, you yeah. know, he was the big bad. The um, predator happened to Boyd Holbrook. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like yeah, the, the same year I think, wasn't yeah. it? That was yeah. Yep. Like, oh, okay, well, more. He was in Nog. He was in Narcos as well, yeah. But but yeah. I just wanted to mention that uh, Cicely Tyson mm. um, died. It was reported overnight at the age of ninety six. Who was hugely trailblazing, especially in telly. Won a ton of Emmy awards. Um, I actually think she was the first ever recurring uh, black woman um, with in a role on a show called East Side West Side. Um, and I think she, you know, her whole career had 16 Emmy nominations um, and one for supporting actress in 1994. Most recently, I think she did some guest spots in How to Get Away with Murder. And she was um, hugely significant. I was reading some obits this morning. They were saying, you know, it was massive at the time that she refused to take um, what would be stereotypical African-American roles like uh, maids or prostitutes, things that were, black women were often cast as um, back in the, you know, 
50s, 60s, even 70s and 80s. Um, so, yeah, um, 96, though. Good age. Yeah. yeah, good age. Good yeah. age yes. and a, just a huge, huge, huge significance on, on both telly and film, but particularly telly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The Bridgerton um, phenomenon keeps going. So they announced this week that Bridgerton is now Netflix's biggest ever original show. 82 million. I mean, all right. Obviously, we know the 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 um, Netflix. It's basically someone tuning in for about a minute and a half or whatever of an episode is counted or something, is it a view or whatever it is? But whatever metric they're using, they have announced that Bridgerton is their biggest ever show, and I think that's mm. fascinating because I'd think like The Witcher, for example, just you know, which I'm sure they were hoping would be their biggest ever show, a fantasy, you know, a kind of games Game of Thrones esque thing with a big star in it, blah, 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 very big budget, et cetera, might be, end up, that uh, I'm sure it did pretty well. In fact, I think it was their biggest show until Bridgerton. And I know it's kind of, I mean, I don't think, have either of you two watched it yet, for example? No. And, no. no. Well, it's very, it's, it's a romance. That's the thing about it. That's the genre is, you know, a very female skewed romance, as in, you know, romantic novels, romantic literature. Obviously, it's quite raunchy and all of that. And that's, I think, partly why it's, you know, very quickly under reputation that it's quite, but it's not, it's not that. There's plenty of stuff on TV that's much more, plenty of stuff on Netflix, frankly, that's more raunchy, that's more to do with sex and all of that. It's fast, absolutely fascinated by its success. And I think it's, you know, it's, as I said last week, I think it's going to be their big thing for years and years to come. I think it's all about, it's really enjoyable, entertaining storytelling, pretty much focusing on women and obviously from a woman's point of view, based on books by women, you know, all of that. And I think it's fascinating that it's such an massive, massive thing. It's now like people from Bridgerton are on TV. Good morning, Britain. And this morning I have a Bridgerton thing practically every fucking day. It's mm. incredible what a phenomenon it's become. I do need to watch that at some point. Yes. Uh, what else have we had in the world of news? Uh, HBO obviously announced the Dunk and Egg Game of Thrones prequel series last week. Apparently there is an animated series also in early development over at HBO Max. Uh, that's not the only thing over in development at HBO Max. Apparently they are uh, noodling around with the idea of a Harry Potter mm. live action TV series. Uh, we don't know anything about that and they're almost denying that it's in existence <laughs> at the moment. I suspect because J.K. Rowling hasn't signed off on it yet. But, uh, but yes, that may indeed come. Terry, there was some Witcher casting news I'm sure you were excited about. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. do it I? is Queen and Slim star Jodie Turner Smith. Oh, I told you about this. <laughs> you did tell me about this. Amazing. Yes. So, The Witcher, my favourite show on television that I've definitely seen all of. Um, Jodie Turner Smith is joining, which actually does make me uh, want to watch it. She was incredible in Queen and Slim, one of my films of last year. She's also um, been cast, as we all know, as Anne Boleyn in a TV project. Um, so, yeah, she's, I mean, she is, I think she's dynamite. She's just incredible on screen. Um, so maybe, maybe this this might be my way into The Witcher, James. I mean, if if indeed she was in The Witcher, but of course she isn't. She's in The Witcher Blood Origin, right, right. which oh. is a prequel series set a thousand years before The Witcher and concerning itself with the conjunction of the spheres, Terry. Mm. Hey, hey. Mm. 
It's it's confusing though, isn't it? Like we haven't even had season two of The Witcher yet, and we're already getting season one of The Witcher spinoff. Yes, um, the, in, but, all all Witcher is good. Witcher Boyd. Is uh, it though? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And I'm all here for the conjunction of the spheres, Terry. Which of course you will know is when the reality of the fantasy kind of collided with the more grounded sort of medieval fantasy and created all the magic and the monsters and the things. Uh, so sure. it's like a crossover of parallel worlds. Uh, sure. But yes, yeah, so this is set about a thousand years before, and um, Jodie Tanner Smith will be playing a character called Ailey. I don't know how you pronounce it. There's an accent on there somewhere. And she's an elite warrior with the voice of a goddess, presumably not in a musical fashion, possibly in a magical fashion. <laughs> you mean, I don't really know. She, maybe she sang Toss a Coin to the Witcher in her Maybe um, that is it. She's got the witch. voice of a goddess. Yeah. The whole thing is her just touring yeah. the land, playing Toss a Coin to your Witcher. Yeah. Will that song be part of the prequel, do we know? Yeah, We can we know? only hope, yeah. Boyd. It is the greatest yeah. banger in the history of television, as we have already established <laughs> last week. <laughs> the greatest banger um so sky uh made a pretty big announcement this week they're pretty much going after by the looks of it you know the likes of of netflix and amazon certainly in in terms of volume and scale because i think they're doubling their original content across both film and telly for 2021 so there'll be all of the favorites coming back britannia and um, brassic definitely we loved brassic but over the year um they are talking about literally doubling it and i think is it going to be one or two new films yeah two new film original films every month and then next year that'll rise to one a week which is um what netflix are doing also interestingly so there'll be 30 new sky original documentaries in addition to drama comedy entertainment and art so some of the highlights were there's something called wolf which is a, a forensic crime drama written by Paul Abbott, obviously of Shameless. You've got The Midwitch Cuckoos, um, which David Farr, who wrote The Night Manager, is adapting. Um, that's actually 2022. Then we have uh, Joe Barton, who we love, who wrote Giri Hadji. Um, he's doing a action thriller called Extinction with Papa Asiedu. And it's about a man who relives the same day over and over again. Um, there's a paramedic comedy called Bloods with Jane Horrocks loads and loads and loads of interesting stuff and I, and and a real focus on british um creators and actors as well so yeah i think that i mean you know netflix one film a week sky one film a week tons and tons and tons of new original shows as well as presumably still being a home for um hbo and and the best american dramas um so you know if we are still stuck all at home in a year's time we will <laughs> at least have stuff to entertain us but you've missed out the bit, the most incredible bit of that Sky announcement, which was, I think, came first, to be fair, which was that Sir Kenneth fucking Branagh is going to play Boris oh. Johnson. Oh, God. Yeah, well. I mean, what, what the actual... What are we thinking this, about this? What are we thinking well, about Well, I think this? it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating because the response on Twitter was fury. I, yeah. I, I, to the announcement, I kind of slightly felt sorry for the Sky publicists having to make... I think it was made on the Sunday, this it announcement. Was, yeah, why did yeah. they do it separately? Because it would have just... yeah. I agree. It's odd. I think they were hoping that people would be so excited and overwhelmed and mind boggled by the idea of Sir Kenneth Branagh playing fucking Boris Johnson. So it's in this five part series called This Sceptered Isle. It's going it's, it's to be show run by Michael Winterbottom. I think, I, I, I don't know why people get so angry about it. I can't yeah. imagine, right? I think people are thinking about the, the, um, Brexit, the Benedict the Cumberbatch. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Brexit, the Uncivil War. Yeah. I loved that because to live, so did I. To, to see something, it's, it's, 
it's so rare now that you see something which give co- gives context to very recent history. Yeah. What we do is we let a couple of years pass or more, decades, and then we re-examine these things, which is fine. But, you know, what I loved about the Brexit thing was I had that in my mind while future Dominic Cummings dramas. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. for me... I'm sure bit, we know bits were fictionalized or create there was creative license employed or whatever, but um, it gave additional context for me. And I think it's really bold to make TV that's of its time and commentating on very recent events. So the biggest criticism I saw seemed to be that it was too soon, but yeah. too soon for what? Well, I know. To- well, I think I think there's a whole load of people that blame. The Benedict Cumberbatch um, uh, Brexit drama about Dominic Cummings for Dominic Cummings' rise—they really do. do. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, but I'm I, I see pretty sure people, those things weren't connected. I know, I know, I agree, I completely. But no, there are a lot of people for whom the narrative, to use that word, is that um, being played by Benedict Cumberbatch on that show, which was kind of scrupulously fair in a way and balanced. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, an evisceration of this you know evil man Dominic Cummings. It was definitely like you know it, it did, and it kind of did position him is a bit of a genius of a bit of a maverick genius and i yeah. have seen people thinking that because of that because of him being depicted as Mar- that he then went on to become yeah. Boris johnson's and main- not because i don't yeah. know he won the fucking right. leave campaign oh, i know i know completely <laughs> but this is why people think so i think that's why and i think people are already assuming that this will be some kind of romanticization of boris johnson i don't think it will well, of course no, it won't. seems doubtful of course it won't. It's michael fucking winterbottom I know. michael winterbottom is one that believe me is not gonna make a series about boris johnson which is a hagiography or in any way positive about him i just 100 guarantee that won't happen I... he is a, a, a radical mm. you know i know he's a radical filmmaker and yeah. tv maker he's not gonna make a kind of thing which gloss, glosses over boris johnson the thing is it's like tonally how does it work because the, the yeah. thing with boris johnson is it is impossible to portray Boris Johnson accurately without dipping into parody because he's such a parodic figure. And I just don't see how that, how you manage to make Kenneth Branagh do Boris Johnson without it being farcical. But, you know, think about greed, maybe not the best um, reference, but it is a handy reference in that, you know, that was a real, it's, it's, it's based on Philip Green, whatever they say, and Philip Green is a a exactly what you're talking about. It's a parody of himself. Yeah. And, and but I think Winterbottom at times in his career has been a master of tone. And I think to Boyd's point, he, his films always have a very strong perspective and point of view. So actually, Greed, um, if people watched it properly, was about using slave labour of children in third world Mm. countries. And it was a very, very, very strong message to that film that he was really determined to to tell and to sell. But here's the thing, I because I thought the Brexit thing, I thought what was brilliant about it was if you watched that, you were very clear on how we were manipulated as the voting public, about how social media um, is used to manipulate us as human beings. And it made me reflect on my own behaviour and, and be a little bit more cautious around things. And I think it has, there's an ability for it to educate people and to inform people about what's happening, especially when it comes to politics and things that we have no real window into the mechanics of it, into the machinery of it. Um, so I think there's a bit of a, almost like a public service job in there mm. as well. Um, so I felt really sorry for Michael Winterbottom because literally the internet went on fire and decided yeah. it was a terrible <laughs> idea and he was the devil for even suggesting it. Yeah, exactly. I, but it's also not new. It's nothing new. Like, this happened quite a lot with, you know, remember The Deal, which was the um, Stephen yeah. Frears Channel 4 drama about Tony mm. Blair and Gordon Brown. That was very soon, very, yeah. very soon after that was all happening. 
Um, it is legitimate. And I think the other thing is, if it's of course, it's completely legitimate to make a, a, a TV series or whatever, or film, about one of the most important things that's happened in the world, in politics, in our recent, in, in our time. And to, if you're going to wait on it, if you're going to go, no, I really want to make a series about Boris Johnson and COVID and what's happened. And if you wait, someone else is going to come along and do mm. it before you're on it. So mm. you have to do it in a way, once you've decided this is a thing I want to do, then you yeah. have to go quickly. And I also think... Kenneth Branagh, it seems so weird, but it's it's precisely what you're saying, James, about how hard it's going to be for the actor to not sink into mm. parody. That's why maybe you've gone for one of the best actors in the world, isn't Perhaps. it? I mean, that's yeah. why. I mean, it makes sense. It does make sense. But, you know, it's like how much will they try and, like, smooth over his mannerisms, you know, so that they don't mm. become distracting? Because they could yeah. very easily obscure the substance of the drama because he's such a clown. Um, but those have to be in there, right, for it to be a realistic depiction. But mm. but to your point, are they almost dialed back? Because if you go, you know, he turned up to the the press conference after we passed a hundred thousand deaths with his hair all over the place. And I've previously in the past thought, oh, you know, people shouldn't concentrate on that. It's about what he says. But actually, when you think about it, like when I go when I go to do something important, I make sure that my clothes are on straight and that my hair is brushed because it's a, sh a sign of respect to the people I'm speaking to. Him turning up to a press conference the day after we cross 100,000 deaths, literally looking like he's been dragged to a hedge backwards is, you know, and it's been said before how he does it deliberately. People yeah, have worked yeah, with him. Say, but mm. imagine that. Imagine thinking that that is more important than showing respect to the people who are watching, many of whom will have lost somebody they loved and on that day particularly. So how they portray those things is important because it's all part of the drama but to your point you know he is already one step away from being a fucking buffoon <laughs> and if you dial that up a little bit for for you know the sake of readability does that then take mm. away from the seriousness i'm sure it's going to be a really difficult thing to navigate well, they should be able to. Yeah, right. exactly. They should be able to. And, th and I think it's actually what makes it maybe possibly easier is that he is a showman, isn't he? That there's mm. a sense that he puts on this whole persona mm. ever yeah. since he was on Have I Got News For yeah, You, yeah, basically, yeah. being this bumbling idiot with no with messy hair. That's his thing. And I'm sure as soon as he's off that stage, as soon as he's away from talking shit in a press conference with Chris Whitty, he's not like that at all. And he's mm. different. And I think that, you know, I'm assuming, I'm hoping that this drama will touch upon that, mm. you know, that very thing. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll be watching. Well, yeah, absolutely. So will I. So will I. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Netflix and Legendary are developing Tomb Raider and Skull Island anime series. Yeah, okay. Uh, what else is happening? Uh, Jamie Dornan's going to be in a show called The Tourist for HBO Max, a mystery thriller. Uh, and he's going to be playing a British man who's finds himself in, wait for it, the glowing red heart of the Australian outback being pursued by a vast tank truck trying to drive him off the road, which sounds a lot like Steven Spielberg's duel. Um, it sounds and so much like Steven Spielberg's duel. <laughs> Didn't you I got this press release and I was like, hold on. Are they going? Don't they have to like almost acknowledge this is you the would same think, idea but, as Jewel? <laughs> but I don't know if this is the whole show. I feel like like it, it then goes on to say an epic cat and cat mouse, and mouse chase, chase unfolds, and the man later wakes in hospital, hurt but somehow alive. Except he has no idea who he is. So it feels a little bit like Jewel is the setup for the right, show okay. rather than the okay. substance of the show. Okay. But there are merciless figures from his past pursuing him, and his search for answers propels him through the vast and unforgiving outback. So 
Sure. And it, we should say, is created by Harry and Jack Williams, who are really good writers of, yes. of The yeah. Missing... I mean, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mock, but actually, I, yeah. I, I think Jamie Dornan's great as well. Uh, I, I was, almost certainly watched this. So. A little insight. I was fascinated by this press release in, in many ways, because in the Jamie Dornan, in no mention of Fifty Shades, I thought it was fascinating. Mm. Like, they listed all his... his everything yeah. he's done, I mean, except probably Fifty by Shades. by request, yeah. Yeah, I think that's so interesting that he's kind of wiped it from his CV yeah. Star already. of the Fall, Jamie Dornan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Intriguing. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's very sensible on behalf of his publicist. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got, Terry? You've not mentioned the Law and Order organised crime developments. Like, how is this not on your watch what list? What Law and Order organised crime developments, Drake? So, Law and Order organised crime. You know, it's a show being uh-huh. developed. It's another one of those chung chung shows, uh, and they've added Dylan McDermott. Oh, uh, I love to a the Dylan cast. McDermott. <laughs> as do I. As do I. He's a bit of a legend, mainly for me for the practice. Though he was very good in Dark Blue as well. Presumably, also Boyd, you loved him in American horror story but uh yeah a lot of time for dylan mcdermott he's brilliant yeah i love him yeah yeah um inside number nine um wrapped on series six last week and that they've been work, doing that working on and off for about a year it's taken yeah. a long time to finish that with, with all the covid interruptions and they also announced um some of the guest stars that are going to be on series six which i think will arrive you know quite soon this year um very good list sean clifford of fleabag fame mm. adrian dunbar of line of duty and his irish travelogue show yes. which is another thing i watched some of by the way it's really great it's lovely got the lagging on a bubble <laughs> yeah it's so it's so <laughs> My nice god Patterson Joseph, um, Kevin Bishop, who I love, and Nick Muhammad, who I love. So lots yes. of people that I love are on um, the oh, new great series people. of Inside Number 9. Yeah. Very exciting. Well, let's end news there, not because there isn't more news, but because I'm very conscious that at some point this show yeah. does have to end. So yeah. let's let's <laughs> press on to this week's reviews. And we'll begin this week with Rami, a show created by comedian Rami Youssef, which sees him trying to navigate life as a millennial American Muslim living in New Jersey. Now, you might be forgiven for a glimmer of deja vu kind of percolating at the back of your brain because this one debuted in 2019 on the US and season two aired last summer in the US with season three on its way this year and it has aired in the UK already on Stars Play. However, Channel 4 has now picked up the series uh, and are beginning it with season one and since we've never covered it before, we thought now was a good time to start. So, Boyd, what were your thoughts on Rami? Well, I have watched um, quite a lot of it on Stars Play when it arrived, which starts, you know, it's it's like The the Greats, which is also being shown on Channel 4 at the moment, which people are loving and mm. basically hardly anyone watches Star Space is, the, is, the fa- is a fact that the channel has to address so I think it is a good example of Channel 4 picking something up that is very Channel 4 and is the kind of thing they should be showing to a wider audience that won't have been seen much it's compared quite a lot to Dave which was that um, FX show yeah. that was shown on BBC2 that you I don't think either of you liked very much about the rapper um, Lil, Dicky. Lil Dicky yeah and it's another series about a point of view of a male comedic figure negotiating his world of relationships and sex and um, his friendship group. So it has got surface similarities to that. And there are, and there are, quite a lot of those types of shows around but I do think Rami is instantly more I'm going to use the word likable I think he's a really <laughs> likable guy Rami Youssef you know as as a figure on the show to identify with so I think it is different to a lot of the kind of aren't these blokes really interesting aren't they intrinsically interesting it's like intrinsically about blokes having living their lives meeting women talking about women having sex blah blah blah, blah. I think there's more to this show and I think it's incredibly rare when you watch it so I watched the first episode again for this for this review and it just strikes you when you're watching it how rare it is to see muslims on tv talking about and doing and practicing their religion and talking about you know themselves and their beliefs and their faith and their ethnicity when you compare i'm jewish right and i'm a big i'm you know i i 
I'm a huge fan of very Jewish comedians like Woody Allen. Yes, still still banging a drum for Woody Allen after all this time. And, you know, Albert Brooks, just the whole pantheon of Jewish comedians that have been down the lines, Jerry Seinfeld, etc. When you and you, it's like this is like one of those for me. This is like the equivalent of one of those mini, myriad Jewish American um, TV shows or films we've seen, but with a Muslim American. And it just feels so rare and refreshing to have that for a start. Then you take into the fact that he's, I think, massively likable, massively interesting, um, very engaging. And the cast, the supporting cast, his mum's played by Hiam Abbas, the Palestinian actress from Succession, who's brilliant, completely different here. In Succession, she's this incredibly dignified, kind of mysterious figure in a way. And this, she's a brilliant, she's very much like reminding me of Jewish mothers. I think there is a lot in common of with Jewish comedy, with this comedy. And I think they touch upon it a bit. They mention that a little bit in it. I, has a contra- Episode one has what might be described as a controversial scene where he has sex uh, with this woman who wants him to choke her and I know there's a lot that will I think people will have uh, problems with that Um, all I'll say is when I first watched it you know quite a long time ago it didn't strike me as being problematic but people Mm. may have issues with it we'll see but and I think this first episode because I watched it again the other night I think it's a little bit try hard. And in terms of that scene, for example, we're supposed to be shocked at this Muslim American woman that he meets and shags, wants him to do these quite, you know, kinky things with him. And I think we're supposed to be instantly shocked by that. And, you know, maybe we are to extent, whereas as it carries on this show into, you know, the second season, et cetera, it's, I feel it's much more relaxed and confident in itself and doesn't try so hard to shock as it does in the first episode. But the first episode has to establish its edginess and it's going to go there and it's going to deal with stuff that's happening to him in his relationships and in his sex life in quite a bold, full-on way, you know, brutally honest way. But I really like the show generally. I think it's really good. And... um uh, and it, I think it breaks ground in a lot of ways. You know, there's mm. there's a very there's a disabled character in it. That, again, you so rarely see his best mate is is disabled and in a wheelchair. And I think that's incredibly rare. Again, um, but it's just you know, and you and it shows you that full on episode two begins with him go helping his mate in the toilet, etc. So I think it's a really good show that's breaking ground, and I think people should watch it. It goes out of its way to dismantle stereotypes, which it does seem for the longest time that all portrayals of Muslims on television have been they're either extraordinarily religious they're almost always villains or terrorists you know it's really interesting to see the show take pains to to sort of deconstruct that and show what it is like to be a millennial uh, Muslim in America and sort of where where just the very act of being Muslim is seen as a provocation by some people you know it, it's it's very difficult but it's not what i liked about this is not a show that sort of is fueled by anger like there's no resentment at the heart of this it's a really kind of good natured look at what it's like to be a muslim and have muslim parents and families and juggling you know western culture which you're immersed in and which you live every day with you know your religion because he is a religious character like he's not someone who you know is at odds with his faith at all he's trying to make his faith work with the secular parts of his life and see how those two things rub against each other uh and i really liked it like it's quite it's quite a slow burn and it's you know it's got some interesting thoughts as a a character later on who's a you know a pro-trump Muslim, which again, throws some interesting wrinkles in there. I, that scene you talk about, the controversial scene, I must admit that made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I think just I mean, it because would. it had been funny and good nature and just quite warm up until that point. 
But as you say, it is there to make a point. Terry, what did you think of uh, of that particular scene? So I didn't have a problem with it. And I think it's because it really spoke in a realistic way to me about the contradictions he's facing. And, the, mm. um, and that's really what the show's about because it actually reminded me more than Dave, probably because I hated it because it's awful, <laughs> is... Um, Aquafina uh, is Nora from Queens and yeah. a bit of girls as well. And be- and I say that because he's torn between being, as you say, a millennial, living in a Western society, not even in, I love the fact he's in New Jersey, not in New York, um, <laughs> but there's still all of those weird Western aspirations. And being a practicing Muslim-ish to an extent, because, you know, he has sex with white women who he's not married to. Um a brilliant scene with a condom um, in the early <laughs> bit of that episode, but he doesn't drink. And it does an amazing bit where she never realized he doesn't drink. Because, yeah. And so he, yeah. you know, he adheres to some and not to others. And so part of it is just about him navigating this society as a millennial. So that sex stuff really rang true to me. And, and, but what it starts to explore is he's making assumptions about um, Muslim women. He decides he wants a Muslim wife mm. and he, he, it's about time after a brilliant scene with his two best friends at the mosque, Mo and Ahmed, um, played by Mohammed Amir and Dave Mahage. And there's a brilliant scene at the mosque where they're advising him on getting a wife and on what Muslim women are like. And, and as men often do, regardless of whether they're secular or religious, um, depending on where they're from, they often have these idealised view of what women from certain communities are like. So he assumes that Muslim women will behave in a certain way and not probably like white women do. So this scene in this car, I thought it was um, I thought it was really good at showing that, you know, that woman wasn't defined by her religion. She was also a practising Muslim, but she also wanted sex on the first day and kind of wanted to be choked. Actually, if you look at the number of the statistics of um, choking in, in millennials, I think it's quite a high. I think it's something that, you know, mm. a lot of men and women engage yeah. in. And, and it was, I think it was just quite an extreme way of showing that he'd internalised this view of what those women should be. And she was horrified by that. And that's what he's navigating. He's got assumptions about women um, who are Muslim. He's got assumptions about himself as a Muslim man. How does that gel with him being, you know, he works at a startup um, but doesn't do anything. And there's a brilliant bit where his mum and um, Hayam Abbas, his mother, is just, she's amazing. And she just goes, um, his sister, who is also amazing, is basically getting rinsed for not doing anything. And she just goes, he's starting up. It's like, she's just brilliant. And that, to James's part, this is really warm but really authentic and i think scenes like that sex scene scenes like that condom scene for me they're really kind of just showing the the things which he's torn between and it isn't like anything we've ever seen before i know we often say this a lot but it really really isn't and it just starts from the premise as you say that muslims are the bad guys on telly and in society but also that there's one muslim experience so he there's an amazing scene where he talks about the day the Muslim ban came in and, and on, on the TV news, they were saying this is the worst day for all Muslims. And he said, I don't know, I had a pretty good day. I, you know, I found a Metro card with a hundred and something dollars on it and it was sunny outside. And and it, I think what it's trying to do is explode the monolithic view of what it is to be Muslim and and really focus in on how do you become a, a how as a millennial in a modern world, a modern Western world in a city like that, 
how do you navigate what it is to be Muslim? And I think the amount they achieved in that first half an hour, what, 27 minutes is remarkable. A handful of really funny, properly funny set pieces established all the family who I fell in love with completely. The mum, the dad, his sister is hilarious. And, you know, it's it, he, there's a scene where there's um, a guy set out this kebab shop, you know, and he, he's, he, kind of goes to him and and really articulates um what it is which is if i don't follow all the rules and all the fucking judgments you know it can he still be a muslim and that's really what he's trying to navigate i just think i love this absolutely fucking loved it and i think as i say the amount of ground they covered in that half an hour and i didn't find it try hard i didn't even you know there's a muslim tinder scene like with this co-worker (laughs) who does have muscular dystrophy but it's kind of not a point of in the narrative um i think it tackles massive issues with such a light touch and yeah, I just thought this was absolutely fucking brilliant. It's Steve Way who plays the the his friend with muscular dystrophy, yeah, who is fucking brilliant as yeah. well. And and yeah, it, it, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you lo- you like that. Yeah, I, I think, but it gets even better. Just it, it yeah. actually gets better and better and better. It's just one of those things. Yeah, but it, it's exactly as you said. It's works on two levels, doesn't it? It's 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 dismantling and deconstructing, you know, preconceptions that we have about what it is to be Muslim, and also pre- his preconceptions about what it is to be yeah. Muslim as well. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's very good show so if you are not among the seven people who already watched that on stars play then rami does come to channel four on friday february the 5th at 1105 the very precise time of 1105 p.m don't know what's going on for those first five minutes but you know maybe tune in early and find out next up this week is channel five's the drowning which stars jill halfpenny as jody a bereaved mother whose son drowned at a lake six years ago or did he (laughs) because she runs into him one day on the way to work she spots him at a bus stop and as any normal person would she obviously then follows him to school gets forged background papers takes a job as his music teacher and proceeds to stalk him like a big old weirdo of course she does terry (laughs) what was your verdict on this so I'm going to predict something. I'm going to predict that James is going to be super snobby <laughs> about this show and hate it and rip it to shreds. So allow- I mean, he already has that yeah, intro. I, I mean, fuck it <laughs> So allow me to be the voice of the uh, of the average woman on the street. I really like this. Um, before you start, don't shake your head at me. So um, <laughs> this might not be what you expected because the first thing I um, read about this was that it was from Unstoppable Film, who are the production company that are run by Noel Clark and Jason Mazza, who did Bulletproof together. And had also have also done the films Kid Adulthood, Adulthood, Brotherhood, um, and very much those are the those are the pieces of work that I associate with with um Noel Clark and Jason Mather and with Unstoppable Film. So I didn't expect this to be what it is, which is a crime thriller with a woman at the heart of it, played by Jill Halfpenny, who I think I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna tell you that Jill Halfpenny is massively underrated. Um, She is a brilliant actor and I think she falls foul of the fact that women of a certain age, um, telly and film traditionally find it really hard to basically get roles for them. Um, There's much talked about how, you know, women on TV and in film are young or old, you know, you're the young girl or you're the matriarch, that bit in the middle. And that's what I think Jill Halfpenny suffers from because I love her. And she's Jodie. As you say, she's the mother of a child 
who went missing one day at a lake. No body was found, but he was presumed dead. I mean, I have 74 questions about how at a busy lake, when there's family there, could a child, could you not see if the child even went in the water? And and I don't understand how he goes from yes, being... Yes, because that's the big plot hole in this I show. Don't want to, I, I'm have a, I have struggles with how, how a child can just disappear and be presumed drowned in a crowd full of people. But, you know, there are many questions and I cannot tell you that all of your questions will be answered. And you may have to make some leaps in terms of uh, things that may be unlikely to have happened or things not really making sense. But just just give yourself to it. That's what I suggest. So this day at the lake, then you jump forward nine years, Boyd's favourite thing, and she's divorced from the child's dad. You know, she's trying to make the best of her life. She's got this business going and she spots a teenager called Daniel who she thinks is the spit, spit of her son. And to be fair, he is the spit of her son. So, yeah, then it gets slightly more... Um, ridiculous as you say because she then <laughs> she then gets a job at the school um oh using forged dbs check papers. papers but and there's an amazing like t- a t- other teacher who suspects her of something i loved her and who, the severe deputy oh, head oh who just God, glares at her who just hung around in the background staring her out i loved her what are you doing like she was amazing she's got the best staring face um so that's the basic gist and obviously everybody thinks she's mad because it you know the 10th anniversary is coming up how could that have ever happened um and her they're all pushing her to actually have him declared dead which you can do after that period of time um the supporting cast are actually like really good so you've got Rupert Henry Jones um who we know better from Spooks and Whitechapel and Silk is Mark and he's Daniel's shady dad and we know he's shady because he talks like in a weird voice and won't answer questions properly but also weirdly lets Jill Halfpenny in his house all the time and uh, but he is shady and he frowns loads and shouts and, and he shouts, shouts. Um, and he's rich rich people are always shady um, and then um, Jada Nuka plays Jasmine her business partner who was in His Dark Materials Small Axe Chewing Gum and Jonas Armstrong who was in The Bay two lots of him this week is her brother um, Jason Mather is actually in there as a detective so it's like a really good British cast I do have to say and Cody Malo- uh, Cody Molko is Daniel um, I think this is his first tally thing I thought he was super sweet and really good so look this isn't and this I should say is the latest in these Channel 5 um, dramas we did Cold Call before I think there was Pen. Penance as well, which um, is them kind of moving into these um, cinematic thrillers. Uh, I think this is the best one they've done so it's far. It's no blood. Come uh, on. It isn't. Well, oh, yeah. Fair point. Yeah, fair point. But it is, <laughs> yeah, apart from blood. <laughs> but yeah. Apart from blood. But, cold, but it's not, you know, I think it's a step above cold call. But here's the thing. So I think as a British thriller... I think I think this is good and I think Jill Halfpenny is so watchable and so compelling and I think what James is just about to leap into is going to be nothing short of snobbery because if this was fucking Danish with some Danish yeah. woman with some, with some Danish woman in it it's shot well it's like it is shot well you cannot like argue with that like it looks great 
And I think anything that's going to come out of your mouth is going to be pure James <laughs> Dyer snobbery. This I is mean... meant to be broad. It's meant to be for the people. It's gonna. I think this is going to do well ratings wise. And I think you should not be a snob, James Dyer. I agree with everything you said, Terry, right up to the point where you said it was good. Like everything you said before there is like, and these are the reasons why it's bad. It's no! just nonsense. It's so overegged. It's so ridiculous. It's just people being insane. I mean, the insanity <laughs> of her fundamental plot, which is not to, I don't know, say, okay, I'll go to the police station. Let's just find out what the background is here. Does he have any childhood pictures? You know, is there any evidence that this child has been with his quote unquote mm. father for more than the last six years? If so, then fine. I'll just fuck off and go home. No, what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk to my dodgy mate and get some fucking forger's details, get a DBS chair, go to his school, stare, like walk up to him about a foot away and stare at him while looking like a massive paedophile. <laughs> it's just it's just so unspeakably <laughs> stupid from end to end. And I was just are like, you what, telling what me is you... happening? Hang on, hang on, though. Are you, are you genuinely saying you didn't enjoy it? No. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. At the end of it, I kind of want to know what yeah, happens. Right. Like, yes. I, 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 no I, got, yes, I watched um, the first two and I only didn't watch yes. the third because I don't have it. But yeah. like, honestly, when you get to the end of the first and let's take let's take all everything else out of it, right? All the <laughs> wanking off to everything. Let's just, let's just talk about what we're talking about, which is, did you get to the end and want to watch another episode? No, what I got to the end was I got to the end and thought I must ask Terry how the story ends because I do not wish to waste another few hours of my life on this but I do want to know what happens because it's quite Moorish in that way but it's so fucking stupid like it's one of these things like this, this, go back to our question like this for me would be a hate watch I'd be watching thinking I know this is absolute shit and yet I do kind of want to know what happens in the same way that you know I guess when people get like when you get sort of tied into like a soapy storyline like I want to know what happens but i can't justify the hours it would take to find out oh god i am like because it's not like what was that thing recently with um with our pal um uh your pal and mine um you Ross, might need to narrow it down um uh, the itv <laughs> boyd's mate itv First oh, russell tovey like... yeah so oh, sister yeah. sister so, sister. so, yeah. so, yeah. so sister was ludicrous but also was just quite dour and just not like i there was no kind of like full hearted full throated i'm just going to throw myself at this ridiculous and i'm going to enjoy it and this is going to be brilliant it was it was quite like i didn't get that sense from it from that that i wouldn't have carried on watching this you just throw yourself into it and it's like drags you along and it's riptide it's a right good old time you are right. It is snobbery. It's a hundred percent snobbery yeah, on my part. Snobbery. I can't. I can't deny it. it and, and you said in in between in the bithic where you get around on about how just now when you said oh it is Moorish. Well, that's the whole fucking point. You can't just dismiss it being Moorish. It's somewhere I looked down my nose at soap operas. I, that's yeah. my issue with this. It's the it's so, not no, soap. I mean, but it has. It, it's very soapy in the way it puts this stuff it together. Is, it's melodrama it's up, up the arse. It really it's is. It's a full on classic. Up the arse. If that's not a poster <laughs> quote, then I don't know what is. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's a full on yeah it's a full on classic thriller it's a, it's it's and the whole point is to keep you keep your attention and keep you i was sent the first two episodes God, james is literally like melting away when like, like when you say thriller i think like high quality cinematic thriller i do not think this it's very well directed by carolina giametta i'm yeah, sorry it is. it's it's really you know it's really i well have put no together. issues with the direction 
plenty of movie thrillers, by the way. You know, there's a grand tradition of thrillers that push the boundary of what is believable. Yes. And they're yes. constantly working at the edge of credulity. And yeah. that is what it's, it's what it, that is the whole point. It's making, of course, it's ridiculous that she decides what she decides to do. But equally, every decision she makes is justifiable. It's psychologically justifiable. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to absolutely maintain this because she's in the most extreme situation of thinking that her boy who yeah. went missing, presumed drowned years ago, is back from the dead. Who knows what the fuck you'd do? So that's the whole, that's the reason why it's justifiable and why actually it works. And you're not, and I, and I think it, it, pretty much every step of the way, it, it, it walks on that, it treads that line. And that's what makes it fun and brilliantly mm. entertaining. And, and why it is in the tradition of, of cr- films that are sometimes bonkers and silly, but actually you stick with it because you just about maintains the yes. right tone. Of believe, but and it's helped no end, as as Terry says, by Jill Halfpenny, who's brilliant in it. Absolutely, she's saddled, by the way, with this awful like coat that's a bit like a pajama, <laughs> pajamas that she wears almost in every single fucking scene. I think it's quite interesting, um, and I think she's brilliant. Um, she's brilliant in everything she does. Um, yeah. She totally, she totally makes it, makes it. And you're right, there are moments where it's like, oh no, come on, but she drags you, pulls you through it. And I'm, and by the way, let me just say this: I've watched the whole thing, so they sent me the first two episodes, and I was like desperate to get the the last two. That's how addictive for me it was, and how compelling and uh, satisfying and entertaining it was. And I watched the last, and it gets even more bonkers. Let me warn you. But the thing that you were saying at the beginning in your intro about how does how does the drowning work? that is addressed mm. and I'm sorry but it's actually in the end I'm not, I won't spoil it but it's all about what happened yeah. in that in, initially and that is the key and they do and it, and it and it in the end it does they address it they don't shy away from it so all your questions will be answered is what I'm saying to you and I think people will be royally entertained but I think you're right on on her it's the power of the half penny she's so and yeah. I don't and it's not about being likable actually but she's just so human weirdly if you know what yeah. i mean you believe yeah. that she's his mum you totally like even though you think she's probably out of her mind she always keeps you thinking that maybe maybe actually yeah. she is right and everybody else is wrong um and she's exactly. just like i i just think she just pulls the drags the entire thing along um through sheer force of will and she's brilliant and and they do quite and I agree, exactly and they do quite interesting thing where everyone else from her mum yeah. is a bit of a twat yeah um, her ex husband is uh, is a prick his wife his new wife is annoying almost everyone else is a bit annoying uh, or really annoying or horrible to her everyone's horrible to her actually which makes yeah. you absolutely identify you with root her, for her it's quite, so much yeah you root for her so much exactly. yeah. and, exactly. and, and that is very true that is very true and her ex husband um, ran off with her like best mate yeah. clearly and yeah. there's an amazing yeah. bit where they're in the garden together and she went you know you threw away like an amazing friendship for a guy who's basically a twat and it's just like the most she's not like ripping shreds off her for stealing husband she's like you know he's a bit of a dick right and they have this moment where they look at each other where she's like yeah and you do you totally root for her and that makes you believe even if you think she's lost the plot a bit you believe you believe enough to be in there with her i just love yeah come on james submit (laughs) <laughs> it's it's i let's just say it's not for me you know this isn't my kind of show though. like this should come as no shock to either of you that i hate this it's not you know it's it's definitely not me 
Um, is it? And boy, this is this is weekly, isn't it? They're not dropping all of these in one no, go. No, no, it's all it's four, four nights. Four, oh, it, four yeah. nights. It's Monday to Thursday. Yeah, they, that's their thing now. As, as from blood onwards, yeah. I think mm. they definitely they they this works for Channel Five, so they can yeah they will strip the story across four or five nights, which is a great way and to that, tell this story. Yeah, it's a great way of doing it. It's really satisfying. Yeah, so no, I it's, will a hundred percent say now that after those nights, I will definitely, definitely go on Wikipedia and read the episode summaries to find out what happened. So, so, you know, that is my endorsement. You I am invested that's, enough to go on Wikipedia and find out how it ends. That's the Bellens way of watching it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, The Drowning does come to Channel 5 on Monday, February 1st, uh, and it will proceed over four nights of fun and silliness. Finally, this week, we have 000, which is another belated import. Uh, this one is coming here only a year late. It aired in the US in 2020. And this comes from Gomorra's Stefano Salima and is based on a book by Roberto Saviano. Uh, it's part Italian language, part Spanish language, and has a voiceover from Gabriel Byrne. Because... Of course it does. Uh, this one focuses on a deal between a Mexican drug cartel and the Italian mafia and the shipping company that brokers the deal between them. Boyd, would you give this a zero 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 or a five five five? It's very. This is a really weird one. I think I've, mm. I've, been, I've been waiting for this for ages. So yeah, as you say, it came out ages ago originally yeah. um, and got very highly acclaimed. I remember reading reviews of it in in some of the American. Really, it was on Amazon Prime in America. It's on. It's on. Um, it's on Sky here. And it got really good reviews. And I was thinking, oh, and, and, and Gomorrah, I think, is a brilliant show. It's another show we have, don't really talk about that much. It's another, another potential um, one for, for us to get into because Gomorrah is fucking brilliant. And this is a lavish, absolutely spectacularly lavishly filmed. I mean, we talk about cinematic TV every week. That's almost the, how the whole, the whole raison d'etre, <laughs> if I could use that word, of this podcast. But this is spectacularly, beautifully filmed. The cinematography, the direction, etc., is astonishing. And it does, and it takes place across, you know, lo- across continents. Um, it's 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 telling. It's basically depicting how the cocaine business works. How does cocaine trafficking works in great detail across ten eight episodes? Um, and it focuses particularly on the starting with the Italian family that initiates a, this huge cocaine deal. It starts off in Italy. It then goes to the Mexican cartel. How there's um, how the, the the trafficking is going to happen between and the deal is going to be made between the Italian and Italian crime family and the Mexican families and the Mexican cartels and and the and the and the um, how they involve the police and corruption etc. And in the middle of it is an American family who are kind of the middlemen in the middle women and the deal that they're doing in the middle of the whole thing. And of course, it kicks off with um, this guy who's clearly who's clearly been shot, Gabriel Byrne character in, in I thought it was in a ripoff of Carlito's way or a pastiche or tribute to Carlito's <laughs> way because it's filmed exactly like Carlito's way it opens with this um with um, Al Pacino's character kind of clearly about to die and then flashes back through his whole life etc I didn't mind by the way the flashback device that this does the hoary old <laughs> device that this absolutely sticks to brilliantly so yeah in the middle of this is family led by Gabriel Byrne um and his daughter played by Andrea Riceborough, who is incredible. Andrea Riceborough, by the way, what she yeah. does, like the, the, the stuff she does, but how different she is in this, how she was in National Treasure, for example, that um, kind of four-part that was on Channel 4 where she played Robbie Coltrane's troubled daughter when he was accused of being a child abuser. She was amazing in that. She's unbelievably completely transformed in this and is fantastic. Dane DeHaan is in it as her brother who has a kind of illness. You know, Dane DeHaan looking ill um, as he does in pretty much every role he does, but in this, it's justified by the plot, which I thought was very interesting. Um, it's 
What's weird about it is, is that it feels a bit like Narcos meets, you know, Italian crime mm. meets The Godfather or something. Mm. And then in the middle, the American family, when it when it deals with them, it's almost like a completely different genre. Yeah. And they, you get to see their private lives. You get to see Dane DeHaan in his support group and you get to see his relationship with his sister and how, you know, how that whole thing works between the three of them. The, it's like a completely different show. But I like that. It worked for me, even though like normally I think you'd say well it's a complete mishmash of genres and tones and you know that traditionally is a thing that just doesn't work but I, I have to say I really really loved it I, I just thought it was it looked incredible I like the idea of it I learned I think I learned more about the way cocaine trafficking works from this than I do in watching quite a lot of other shows that deal with similar issues particularly Narcos for example mm. I thought it was very fascinating and I'm going to carry on watching it it's funny it's, exactly, it's like channel surfing isn't it it feels like you've got this sort of Italian crime thriller organised crime thriller and, and you got this sort of like Mexican narco thriller, and then you go into this American family drama. It's just like, I, yeah, am I watching the same thing? It's very strange, but but as I say, it kind of works. I think so. Yeah, and you and and I think that that's challenging because you've kind of got to be as invested in each of the three different stories that are being told, almost like three different mini movies making up one. Yeah. And sometimes they're told in silo. Sometimes. They intertwine a bit, and I, I definitely, I was much more invested in this American family drama at the heart of it. Just, I mean, G- Gabriel Byrne is incredible, but fuck me, Andrea Riseborough <laughs> is just insanely good. And they, there's a real, and what they're digging deep into is the humanity of that family dynamic and that yeah. family relationship. Then that really did remind me of The Godfather, actually. Um, and they tie the other two together. And yeah. They're the go-between mm. narratively and literally. And I was a bit less engaged in the Mexican narcos bit. And I, I was, you know, the, you're in the hillsides in Italy and the granddad's fucking been <laughs> locked in a bunker downstairs. It looks, holy <laughs> shit, the cinematography is yeah. outstanding. I cannot imagine the budget for this show. Mm. It's insane. And I think they did, especially in the opener, they do such an amazing job of establishing these three stories in three different parts of the world with three different sets of characters, still having like amazing dramatic set pieces in there as well. Um, and it kind of establishes the moral tone of it really which is kind of you know it, there's a, a bit of a distance from the evil and there isn't the judgment mm. you might get in other things um it is told at a bit of a difference but i i really like this but you do i have to say you do have to really concentrate i st- i had it on while i was doing something else and i was like no i have no fucking clue what's happening oh, yeah. um so yeah i i did really like this it's just massively my cup of tea but you really have to commit to watching this um but i thought the first episode was really slick really mm. well told um, that shootout that, in the market is nuts yeah, that set piece yeah. is absolutely incredible and it's mo- in its big movie standard like all of it the performances mm. the action set pieces um the shootout you're talking about they are so brilliantly um executed this is mm. ambitious and big and glossy and bombastic and everything you kind of want it to be um but it might that that three thing did throw me at first and because it's just I'm, you're just not you, we're not used to being told stories that well but um i think they pulled it off entirely it reminded me of sicario like mm. you know denis mm. Villeneuve, denis yeah. Villeneuve. like the, the filmmaking the level of the filmmaking was at that great yeah. wasn't it it's like Insane. absolutely stunning yeah yeah. Well, 000 comes to Sky Atlantic on Thursday, February the 4th at 9pm. Very quickly, because we're running out of time, what other shows are out this week? 
Boyd. Uh, so there's Those Who Kill is another Fox. Um, That's the Chloe Sevigny one, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Chloe Sevigny yeah. show um, that has already been cancelled. Um, <laughs> yeah. That is uh, another thing that's coming to Fox also on Thursday <laughs> yeah. uh, at 10 o'clock. Um, there's a thing called Private Eyes uh, on Sky Witness. Sky Witness. That's yeah. the, oh, season four of that. Um, and the blacklist. blacklist is back on People Sky love One. The blacklist. I've, do you know what? I've only ever watched one episode. I watched the whole first season of the blacklist, but it's a procedural, and you know how I hate those. Yeah, James Spader. That's back yes. on Sky One um, on Tuesday. Um, oh, do you know what? There's a there's a Netflix show that I was only very recently told about that looks quite interesting that arrives um, this week on the third. Firefly Lane. Right. This is about unlikely duo played by Catherine Hagel. Heigl and Kate and Sarah Chalk, and um, they meet at age 14. They couldn't be more different, and tragedy brings them together, and they're bonded for life. And it's like a 10-episode Netflix show, Firefly Lane, that arrives that, yeah, that arrives on, I mean, suspiciously not on Friday. It's one of those Netflix shows where they don't give it to you in advance, <laughs> and they don't tell you much about it, and it arrives, but it's got quite big stars in it, and it's not, but it's not unleashed on a Friday, like their general kind of premiere, really good stuff. But, you know, nevertheless, it is a thing, and it exists, and it arrives this week. The Head is also coming to Stars Play again for oh, yeah. the handful of you that have access to Stars Play. That's uh, it's a sort of a South Pole set murder mystery. John Lynch, Catherine O'Donnelly are in that, uh, and I think that's roughly speaking it. Yeah, I, I hesitate to ask what the pick of this week is, but I'm going to ask anyway. Rami, Rami, Rami. What did we say? Rami, Rami, yeah, Rami. 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 As, long as, as long as you don't pronounce it the drowning, I'm absolutely fine with it. No, the, the, I, I had a great deal of time for the drowning, but Rami stole my heart a little bit. Well, uh, that that then is it for this week's episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. Should you wish to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or indeed any available flat surface, then do feel free to do so. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are at James C. Dyer, at Terry underscore White, and at Boyd Hilton. Now, before we go... It has been pointed out that it's been a very long time since we've had any guitar updates on the show. Now, following our discussion on last week's episode, I have begun, emphasis on begun, to learn a new song just for Terry. I'm going to play it for you now. This is going to go badly, so just be warned. What is happening? <laughs> hang on. Hang Amazing. On. Terry, I am learning how to play toss a coin to your witcher oh my god <laughs> on the guitar just for you are you ready no <laughs> okay okay i'm gonna try just bear in mind i'm still learning it okay It's hysterics. <laughs> oh my god. What is going on? <laughs> Amazing. Oh. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> There we go. Picking there up a we bit go. Of steam. 
<laughs> I mean, to get the full effect, you you should be singing the song. I mean, come yeah. on. Well, I I don't think anyone needs my singing on the podcast. And also, I'm not at the point where I can sing and play the guitar because it's like patting your head and rubbing your stomach. Like, it's too much coordination in one go. I can't do it. But uh, anyway, that is, thank you. Mm. That is Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, the James Dyer cut. I mean, I wouldn't have recognised that in a million years. But, you know, maybe no. when you then, picked up a bit of speed. <laughs> he played it to me. I have to, <laughs> listeners, he's sick. He played it to me before we started recording. And I thought it was either Radiohead or Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Anyway, anyway, Terry, to be fair, if I played you the original Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, you still wouldn't have well, recognised Well, yeah, there is it, that. So. There is that. Well done, James. Thank mm. you. Thank you, Terry. Mm. Boyd, have you, uh, have you any idea what we'll be watching next week at all? Oh, yeah. I think, do you know what it is? I think it's the um, Soulmates, which is a really interesting um, anthology show uh, set in a world where um, people find their soulmates using uh, using technology created by Brett Goldstein of Ted Lasso fame. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Fewer forged DBS checks for me to uh, turn my nose up at in that. Um, <laughs> for those of you who have already watched The Complete West Wing, do keep an eye out for our Terry Watch the West Wing special episode, which will pop up at some point and be packed, bursting with spoilers and superlatives, won't it, Terry? Oh, fuck me, yes. Yes, indeed it will. Uh, and, of course, tune in next week to find out how she got on with the latest installment in telly for terry so uh how, how she got with the pilot of the newsroom um as it replaces the west wing as if anything ever could pilot out 